The MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. Get started today and you'll get a risk-free bet of up to $500. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at wynnbet.com and download the app today. We're also brought to you by BetQL. Your bracket may bust, but your bankroll never has to with BetQL. Use promo code MARCH30 for 30% off the entire year of BetQL. That's BetQL, promo code MARCH30. We're also brought to you by OddsCrowd. OddsCrowd has tons of free betting contests, including a $2,000 season-long MLB contest and a $500 weekly contest. Download their app today at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash odds. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash odds. We're also brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is your home to free daily video picks from the SGPN crew. It's like YouTube for sports gambling, so make sure to subscribe to our profile at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. And finally, we're brought to you by PicksWise. Follow the PicksWise Capper Contest at PicksWise.com for free picks and analysis throughout the NCAA tournament from the likes of John Rothstein, Rashad Phillips, Jeff Nadu, and more. See which expert is trending hot as they battle it out for a winner-takes-all $10,000 prize over at PicksWise.com. Back up in your ear holes. It's the MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, episode 26. And the haters said we never would make it to episode 26, and here we are. <laughs> Take that, haters. I would be your host, Jeff Fox. I host the show, and I also edit and write for sportsgamblingpodcast.com. And I also run MMA-Manifesto.com, among lots of other things that I do with my life. Um, before I even, before I forget, because I forgot last episode, I should drop this right now. We are getting our own feed very, very shortly. Um, our plan to take over Sports Gambling Podcast Network from the, from the inside is apparently working. They've given us two shows a week, and now they're giving us our own feed. So uh, the takeover is, is going quite well. Hostile takeover, mind you. Um, so... You'll still be able to hear us on the feed you're listening to right now, the main feed for the next few shows. But after that, you will have to go to our new feed, subscribe, and obviously give us five-star reviews because we are the greatest. So uh, when I have more info on the actual start date on that, I will let you know. But we'll just keep that in mind. Um, and that, let me introduce to you my co-host since he – I'm so funny he has trouble not laughing before he gets introduced. So I may as well just introduce him right out of the gate here, and then he can – Laugh to his heart's content. That would be the host of Top Turtle MMA podcast, um, Prelim Picker. He writes for SportsGamblingPodcast.com. He writes for MMA-Manifesto.com. He writes for other spots, which I won't name because they're competitors. Uh, it would be Daniel Gumby Vreeland. Hi, Dan. Are you proud of me this week that I didn't say any words, though? I did giggle. No, I, I'm always going to giggle, but I didn't, say any, good. I didn't say any words this time before you introduced me. <laughs> no, it was very good. Very good. Uh, you, you're allowed to... You, your main role is to laugh at, at the jokes, and you did that, so that's good. Yeah. And you just did it again, so perfect. That's, that's all we uh, all we ask um, from Dan. He also makes good. He's also on a heater. Uh, he, he'll. Uh, I may as well get that out of the way right now uh, before he. Did, did you mention? It up. Did you mention a plus two seventy five underdog? He had a plus two seventy five <laughs> underdog too, everybody. Um, so yeah, we're uh, we're both on decent heaters. Hopefully this inactivity, uh, uh, inactive weekend uh, from the UFC does not. Uh, 
slow us down or cool us off at all because uh, we're raging hot. Um, now, we do obviously have a packed show uh, for you. Even though there is no UFC, uh, there has been some newsworthy items over the past uh, few days since we last recorded, and um, we have, a, have some other fun things to do later on in the show. I think the main thing to talk about... Um, Weemish people can either skip through this or <laughs> plug their ears or whatever. Is uh, uh, this past weekend, a man's finger disappeared uh, during a CFFC fight. I take it you saw this, Dan, or heard about it at least. Yeah, so I I didn't see it live because I wasn't watching that card. Believe it or not, I don't watch every yeah, single it's local weird. show. It's very weird. Um, I actually watch far more replays of local shows when I like know what I want to watch uh, and know who I want to see and like. This sounds terrible, but, like, I almost want to know the results beforehand, um, which is a weird way to go back and look at local shows. But, uh, yes, I did go back and see – I mean, like, if you were on Twitter at all within 48 hours of that event, uh, you likely couldn't avoid it because there was everybody with their take about where the finger was because there was concerns about where the finger was for a minute. Um, and I don't know if you saw it, too. The, the fighter was upset – not in losing his finger, but in that they didn't let him continue fighting. Well, he's a Canadian, and that's, you know, we lose fingers all the time up here in lumberjack accidents, and um, they freeze off, obviously, when we're building our igloos or when we're mushing our dog sleds, um, maple syrup accidents, you know, stuff like that happens. So we're used to losing um, losing limbs uh, around here. But, yeah, for people who weren't lucky enough to see it uh it is pretty gruesome but yeah he um unbeknownst to everyone basically until what the uh i guess the break between round two and three they realized uh this fighter was missing a finger uh, he, ha he had the finger going into the fight he had the finger going into the second round um but at the end of the second round uh he had no finger um and they actually made an announcement that they were searching for his finger under the cage and in the arena and whatnot. And it's back on his hand now, good as new. Um, rub some dirt on it, and he'll be fine, apparently. But, yeah, uh, apparently he heard it earlier in the fight, and then it got torn off, which is gross to say, but I think that's what happened. Quite a, quite a sport we're following here. So I, I didn't get, like, a good view of how it, it came off. I, I don't know if anybody did, really, right? Because, like, like you said, it, it, he had it in round two, and he didn't. The, the prevailing theory that I've heard, and, and I, like I said, I haven't dug too much into it, was that it, it got dislocated in some sort of exchange early, and then it got ki kicked when he was trying to block it, and the guy okay, kicked yeah. it off? Is that is that the same thing you're hearing? That's, I, that's ridiculously I, I, gross. <laughs> yeah, I think I heard, he, yeah, for round one, he heard it, like, dislocated, and then I think I heard the kick, but also his corner's claiming that, in a grappling exchange on the ground, his opponent yanked on his glove, and that's that got his finger. Oh yeah, I, I think I think he, they're claiming his glove got yanked on, and that got his finger even more out of position. And then yeah, kick or whatever did the did the job. So yeah, that's fun. So it, yeah, interesting. It's just a wonderful sport we cover. <laughs> it is, but you know, gross things happen. I, I was thinking that too, but then gross things happen in, in all sports, really. That's, um, that's true. We had that college basketball tournament uh, a few years back where uh, that dude's shin bone came clean out of his skin. Um, yeah, there's lots I, of. Fun I guess things. that's grosser. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's not like this was intentional. So yeah, it was. It wasn't fun. Um, but yeah, it it, it uh, 
caused a lot of uh, interesting content, though, on the Internet. So the Internet was a flutter, a buzz with this. Um, also was a buzz because we're getting the rematch, another rematch we don't really need. Uh, Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier Part 3 is happening. Um July 10th is looks looks like one is going to be is penciled in currently USC 264 I think location to be announced. Um, so I take it you probably heard this Dan. Do, have you seen the lines yet for it? I haven't. I got to imagine. I got to imagine Poye's the favorite after what happened. But you know, as we're going to talk about a little bit later on in the show uh, with with a, a fun little thing we've guys got planned for you guys the. The favorites start the favorites for a reason because, you know, often they're the ones who should win the fight. But sometimes that casual money and that fear of that casual money coming in on the other side uh, skews the line. So I bet he's a favorite, but I bet it's like, you know, negative 200 where it should be negative, you know, 300. Well, let me um, – first I'll tell you what last uh, – their last fight – it opened McGregor minus 175. It closed him minus 283 to minus Jeez. 340. Uh, and Poya was, if you pick Poya, you would have been smart. He was plus 150 to start, and then you went from plus 210 to plus 275. And so for this rematch, which Poya won pretty, he won convincingly, uh, the first, the second um, fight, first fight was ages ago. We really don't need to worry about that one. Um, so you're saying poise about a 200 minus 200 favor is what you're saying? So if it's, if we're talking about an opening line, yeah. yes. Okay. Uh, that, that's where I think it should start, at least. Uh, open. Conor McGregor, minus 140. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> How? <laughs> Dustin Poirier, plus 120. It currently is Conor McGregor, minus 125 to minus 134. Poirier plus 105 to plus 112. Okay, so Poirier's go, it's gone down a little bit. It's a, little a little bit, closer. but not, not a lot, though. But, but I, I would say also, if you're planning on betting on Poirier, I, I, especially, you know, if, as long as you're not like a big volume better, I would probably wait on that because most likely those, those very early bets that skew the line right off the bat are people probably like you DJs listening in here that like – already are targeting lines the minute they're dropped to see if they're messed up. You know, you can find some of the, the sharp guys on, on Twitter telling you to jump on those early. Um, and I think that that's good if you can be one of those guys. But also I think in this case, you know, you talked about the Connor number just, you know, skewing larger and larger and larger and larger. I think that's going to happen closer and closer to the fight. You know, we mentioned that about a couple of other fighters uh, in the past that, their typical betting profile and, and the, the type of person who lays money on them does not show up until, like, oh, that fight's this week. Better hit that line. Um, so, like, I, I think you're going to see Poye's line probably skew towards even money as we get closer to the fight. And then when we get real close to fight week, you're going to see it jump back up for, for McGregor. So that, that, to me, would probably be the time to act. Of course, I could be completely wrong about this, but... Uh, that's wild to me that they didn't even open the line in Poirier's favorite after, I mean, he dismantled them. Yes. Um, do you see any changes happening in the, I, I know, um, McGregor. He's supposedly be, trading, trading MMA now. <laughs> uh, may, maybe he, he, he trained UFC. Um, 
I know the the thing is on him, he tends to always get better or gets better in rematches if he loses. But do you really see that much uh, chance for at his age also uh, for a monumental change that's going to change the outcome of of the fight that just happened? What last or just happened this past January? Like seriously, like uh, it's not like it was a close fight. I don't see a monumental change. Although I will say I'll debate you a little bit on it wasn't a close fight. A lot of people scored round one for Connor, uh, okay, which, yeah. which is worth noting because like yes, you're right. He in the second round, like in the first round, he took enough damage that it it messed up his second round, right? And then his second round was so bad that he got finished. But his first round was good enough that, and I believe all three judges had him on the scorecards in round one too. So is there a chance he could turn that around? For sure. Does he have to change major things about how he fights? For sure. Do I think he can do that in six months from the last time they fought? Probably not. Um, so, like, yeah, I'm, I'm favoring Dustin Poirier in this fight. You know, when we go to actually break it down, I will probably pick Dustin Poirier. But I will also say this. Like, if that number was where I said it, it should be or where I thought it would open at negative 200, I wouldn't be all over Dustin Poirier at negative 200. I would at, at plus 110 or 130 or 140, but at a big negative number, like, Connor is skilled enough. He does have enough of that. You know, like, he could just come in and, and fight the most technical fight and, like, not brawl at all and, you know, distance fight. And, and you know, like, there's a lot of things he could do that would completely change this game uh, and it, enough to make me scared of Dustin Poirier at negative 200. But, but at the line, at the where it is, I mean, like, man, it would be silly not to pick Poirier and to just expect this monumental change from Connor. So uh, our official advice is to is to hold off at this point, um, and uh, hopefully, more than likely, the uh, the con. Who knows? Maybe yeah. No, actually, no. I was gonna say maybe people will bet against Connor because he has a lot of detractors. But as you see by the movement of the line in the in the second fight um, from. This past January, it, that that wasn't the case. Uh, there was a lot of money coming in on Connor because that line uh, line jumped greatly. Um, and then, well, another thing we were spec- speculating on last episode was the main event for next week's uh, UFC on ABC fight card because we lost Darren Till, um, and it looks like UFC did end up running out of uh, other options because Kevin Holland has been slotted in to take another short notice fight uh, against Marvin Vittori this time. Yeah, and this is like the, it's a nightmare matchup for him in the same way that Brunson was, right? Like Vittori is smart like Brunson is in, in his style and in, in making sure that he follows what he should be doing. He grapples better than you expect him to. He's got good offensive wrestling and he's not particularly susceptible to sweep submissions or letting his opponent up once he has them on their back. So, I mean, like, geez, like I get why Kevin Holland's getting it. You know, we, we sort of lined up the suitors for this fight. You know, we, we said if a welterweight was going to come up, it would probably be wonder boy. Cause no high profile fighter wants to fight wonder boy. And of course this morning they just announced somebody who's high profile wants to fight wonder boy. And it's booked the co-main event of that, uh, Connor Poye card is now wonder boy versus Gilbert Burns. Um, so like he got that fight. So all of a sudden he's taken and we mentioned all the people at middleweight who are taken up by their fights too, right? Like everybody's either booked or is higher ranked, then Marvin Vittori and, and has no interest in taking a one-week short-notice bout against a lower-ranked opponent. So, 
yeah, like ultimately it had to be Holland, so I get why it's Holland. But man, is it like I, I mean, like that that main event went from being like, damn, this could probably be for the next title challenger or at least close to it. It could be competitive. You know, I was favoring Vittori, but like Tilk definitely could make that fight competitive. And then ultimately it went from that to, man, I'm just going to watch the same main event I watched two weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, basically what is happened. Have you seen the lines for this fight, or do you want to speculate on that also I, now? I think I did see the lines for this. Somebody tweeted it out, and I, I wasn't able to avoid it. Is it negative, negative like, 330 for, for Vittori? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Um, let me see. Vittori started at minus 230 and then jumped to minus 305 and minus 350. Yeah, because those um, guys getting early in on those lines, like I mentioned before, like yeah. they had to be all over Vittori. He's a, like I just said, he's a really solid wrestler that people forget about how good he is. Plus, he's physically strong. He's safe enough on the feet that you can't really expect Holland to tag him. And Holland just showed you how susceptible he is to just being, you know, like a turtle on his back. Yep. That is very true. So uh, probably no – we'll break this down next uh, more on, on the next show, but no real um, no real value at all in this line, or do you think there is value on it? I don't think – I think it's like right right now at like negative 330, I think it's line where it should be, right? Like yeah. Holland's path to victory is one of the times the fight starts on the feet, he is able to land a shot. Uh, and, and do you give him a one in three and a half to one in four chance to do it? Yeah, probably. Right. Like that, that's right around what I would say, right. He's got about a one in three chance. I landed a big shot. I don't expect it to happen, but like, yeah, that that's lined right where it should be. I mean, if, if you're looking to, you know, again, we'll break this down next week. If you're looking to, to make big money, you're, you're not looking to put a ton of money on a negative three thirty favorite, but I, I still think he's the play here. Yeah. I would have to agree with that. Um, other than that, um, I turned on Bellator um, just in time to see uh, Patricio Pitbull uh, tap out um, Sanchez. The fight lasted, what, a minute or something like that? Yeah, it wasn't, I, I think it wasn't I turned, long. <laughs> yeah, I turned on just, uh, just in the nick of time. I didn't see the rest of the card. Did you watch the card or not? I, again, I watched some replays, kind of my, my typical yeah. – uh, re- not that they're a regional level promotion. They're very clearly a national level promotion and probably, you know, the second or third biggest, maybe fourth biggest promotion in the world, somewhere in that two to four range. But, like, yeah, I, I like – not for anything. You know, like the, the prelims of the Bellator event usually are pretty lackluster. You know, like we, we make fun of UFC cards sometimes for not being packed yeah. because they kick off with – you know, like uh, Parker Porter, who we're going to talk about uh, in a week or so, and he's a 36-year-old heavyweight journeyman. But that heavyweight journeyman is is 12 and 7 or something like that. Whereas, like, the yeah. heavyweight journeyman who kicks off uh, a Bellator card is, like, he's 2-0, and and his journey was that he fought in the WWE for fucking 10 years or something like that. You know, like, it's a yep. very different journeyman. Um for for Bellator or like you know uh, we mentioned last time that I, I liked Trevor Goody who uh, was fighting on the the prelims because he was betting off at a massive underdog and you know hey if you're gonna sprinkle some money he also got crushed uh, so you know this is why I, this is why I don't typically uh, talk about odds on Bellator um, but like he's I think that that fight drops him to two and two and like you're not gonna see somebody two and two in the UFC on the prelims unless they're, 
you know, unless they have like a ridiculous kickboxing background, right? Like Carl Zolberg is three and zero and now three and one because he's got a big kickboxing background. We saw Gokhan Sakai come to the UFC. I think he was one and zero or zero and zero when he came to the UFC. Um, and I think he's gone now. But you know, like it, unless they have the, that insane martial arts pedigree outside, you don't see that. So I have a tough time watching a full Bellator card. I will say I was really impressed with Pitbull. Um, you know, it, it's always sort of funny to me though that after every single time he fights, like he, and maybe not so much the Bellator management team, the Bellator management team is just like, he's the best featherweight slash lightweight in the world, you know, whatever title he just defended. Um, And then they have like, you know, Cyborg tweet out the same thing. And then, but like he instantly like takes to Twitter or takes to Instagram and is like, I could beat Max Holloway or, you know, I can beat Alexander Volkanovsky in, He's like, if you're going to say that you're the best in the world, right? Like, why instantly mention a different promotion the second you win, right? Like, yeah. and it's not going to make Bellator look like, you know, like they're always saying Bellator has the same amount of talent as the UFC. It's just the UFC's hype machine that gets them. It's not even the UFC's hype machine. Bellator hypes up UFC. Like, if your champ is saying that he he's the best in the world and he needs to go somewhere else to prove it or – they need to cross promote in order for him to have a chance to prove it. Then why would the UFC cross promote? Like, like you're you're literally selling yourself up the river. So, uh, yeah, I, I think ultimately they, they he hurts himself a little bit in his sales pitch there. Um, but I will say I, I liked too that he he's a little bit better at English on the mic too. He he's clearly doing a really good job of learning the language in order to help promote himself in the stateside. Um, but yeah, ultimately very fun in the cage. Um, maybe questionable promotion, but yeah, he, he's fun to watch. And I, I like the fight coming up for him with AJ McKee too, because McKee is uh, a fun grappler. Yeah, that was my next question. He's, um, he's fighting AJ McKee, 17 and 0, um, soon to turn 26 and what, four days, I think is there. So he is, uh, still a young prospect, beaten a lot of impressive names, at least uh, in Bellator, uh, Bellator terms. Um, do you think he has a chance at all? I, guess, I, uh, actually, I actually do, yeah, because um, and it, was his dad a UFC vet, or am I remembering that? He was, right? Antonio McKee, yep. yeah. and they fought on the same Bellator card, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, yeah, so like he's got that, I think he only fought once in the UFC, but uh, he's got that UFC pedigree uh, that he's he comes from. But not only that, it's like, the thing I like about Antonio McKee is just the, how unconventional and creative he was obviously like a lot of you probably saw that really weird submission from guard he hit um which was you know not only just impressive but like in a way that you don't think a submission is going to work he has a submission for that spot and whether he's inventing it on the fly or he does it in the gym sort of doesn't matter because it's just something you haven't seen before and I think that type of thing is probably the right type of approach to beat somebody like Pitbull. Not to mention he's a guy who, who you know, wrestled. Um, you know, so he's got a good wrestling background. He worked with Bubba Jenkins. Like, th- those types of guys. I, I mean, like, I think that's the right, you know, sort of way to go about beating Pitbull. Um, and if you look at his past opponents, you know, like, that might be the thing he's missing as far as like who he should have uh, or who he needs to beat. So yeah, maybe that works, but um, 
who knows? I, I guess I uh, we don't know the real answer about whether or not he's there until we actually get to see it. Yeah, we don't know when that's going to happen. Uh, Pitbull says he wants to do it soon, but um, this is Bellator, so who knows uh, when when these things will happen or, or where we'll even see it if you live in outside of the U.S. Um, I, I was able to catch it because they had it last night. Or um, not last night. Uh, this isn't. This is live. Uh, we're talking live yeah, on, Mon- on Monday. But when I watched it, it was on uh, YouTube. So, um, so yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't know when it's going to happen, or, or where it's going to happen, or even if I'll be able to see it. But it, uh, I will tune in to watch that fight. It should be a good one. So, um, also, I will also uh, often go and check WinBet. Uh, College Hoops is back, and WinBet is live, bringing you the action of real sports betting and online casino play, all produced by Win Las Vegas. Get in on all your favorite teams, Cinderella stories, and tournament upsets. Don't miss out on the madness. Generous promos, odds, and parlays are happening right now at WinBet. Get started today and you'll receive a special offer of up to $500 risk-free sports bet. Terms and conditions apply. Get details at wynnbet.com and download the app today. When you go on the app, you'll see that my second best team in the NBA, the Phoenix Suns, are pretty much always favored uh, over there, which is uh, I, I approve. Um, so that is WinBet. Um, now, a um, listener of ours, we do have listeners. All, I think we're up to three and a half billion now. Um, well, we gain almost a billion of episode, which is um, incredible. It really is unbelievable. Um, he suggested that we do a Ten Commandments style um, segment on uh, on MMA betting because our bosses did uh, such a, a thing on the uh, Mothership podcast, the main sports gambling podcast. They did one for March Madness. And we thought, hey, that's a good idea. We're always looking for content that we don't have to come up with ourselves. So uh, there you go. Um, so we are going to do uh, – basically, these are um, Ten Commandments or um, basically good advice on on how you should uh, go about um, spending your money um, wisely when it comes to betting on MMA. Now, would you like me to start, Dan, or do you want to take the lead here? Why, we both have five each. Why, why don't you go ahead and start? I'll let okay. the, the actual, the head host uh, take control here. All right. Um, if we had any kind of production values or stuff here, I'd have some kind of booming echo on my voice right now, but that's, that, <laughs> that wouldn't, wouldn't involve some either pre-production or post-production. We can't be bothered with that. So my first uh, commandment is, thou shall not waste my money chasing crazy underdogs. Um, that's not to say don't bet underdogs, um, because uh, as, this, as our stats show, you're going to hit, you're going to get three or four underdogs per fight card. So I'm not saying don't, um, don't bet on underdogs. Definitely, uh, if you can find uh like three and you're the, what, two to four or so per car that you like, then definitely hit those. What I'm saying is don't, don't go chasing after ones that are at a crazy number. Um, I would say anything under plus 300 uh, is, is a safe play. Anything over plus 300, you're, you're grasping at straws. Um, when I was, um, I, I, I stopped putting, uh, for a while there I was uh, marking down, what the number was, the closing number was on every underdog that won in the UFC and that got too time consuming. So I stopped that, but I tracked about 40 or so um, earlier on last year, I believe, or maybe earlier this year. And of those 40 or it was closer to 50, um, we only had about 10 that were actually over 
uh, plus 300. So we're talking about of the actual underdogs, which are about a third of every card, only about 22% of those were over plus 300. So we're talking a very, very small percentage of, of, uh, plus 300, uh, or more underdogs actually come through. So my suggestion, my commandment actually is more than a suggestion is don't waste your money trying swinging big at one of these crazy underdogs. Um, you know, stick to, stick to, the ones closer to closer to even money. Uh, it is uh, it, it is um, exciting if you could hit a plus nine seventy one underdog like, like we had come through earlier earlier on uh, a while back. But um, I'm saying it's not probably a very good investment strategy. Yeah, and I will also say too, if you go back in the list of the, like the the biggest, especially if we're talking about UFC here, the biggest UFC upsets of all time. I think there's something like a hundred plus 300s or better that have hit all time. Wow. And that that sounds like a big number to some of you, right? But remember, there's like close to 100 fights every two months. Um, And we're talking about a promotion that's lasted for for 25 years, right? Like, so every two months or every 25 years, there's two months worth of these. Um, So, like, it, it is a very, very very tiny percentage and of course there's more fights now than there was before so i guess my my numbers are a little misleading but yeah like if you're looking back for ones that have happened in the last couple of years that are higher than that number i think there's like two or three right like that have happened higher than that number so yeah we're we're not going to go chasing plus 300s unless there's i mean there's got to be a really good reason to um and to me there there's just not really a good reason to no, um, there's been, uh, I looked up 557 UFC events, uh, at this point. And if you're talking, what, like 12 fights per car, but we're well over 6,000, uh, 6,000 fights in, in history. So, um, a hundred of those coming through for you is n- not a very good percentage. So, no, and even um, if you're getting a three to one money, that's not even okay. close. Um, no. so like I said, uh, unless, unless there's another commandment coming up, which, might go against this and, and 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 give you intel on on a uh, a plus three hundred dog that, which could come through. Uh, I say just avoid it. Um, bookmakers know what they're doing, um, and there's a reason that uh, certain numbers are, are where they're at. So that's that's my first commitment. All right, let's get to my first one then too, because I've got one that I think is pretty important, and that is thou shall not ignore strength of schedule uh, because. Strength of schedule is one of the ways that uh, prospects or guys coming up get overrated the most. Um, take Jordan Wright, for instance. He recently fought Joaquin Buckley and was like the hot underdog pick for a lot of people um, because he was fighting Joaquin Buckley, a guy who likes to strike. And everybody was like, well, he's a striker too. And if you look back at his record, he's 11-0. and And you're like, oh, cool, he's 11-0. and And that actually led him to only being a plus 190 underdog, so it wouldn't have even been against Jeff's first commandment uh, to pick somebody like Jordan Wright. Let me tell you something about Jordan Wright. Jordan Wright had one of the worst strengths of schedules I've ever heard of. Uh, real quick, listen to his opponents. 0-0, zero 0-0, and 0-5, zero, zero and 0-0, zero, zero and 0-21, zero and 0-10, zero, zero and 0-0. Zero zero. Okay, so he's now 7-0 and is yet to fight somebody with a win. Then he gets a guy who's 1-2, his toughest test to date. Okay, and then he does step it up a little bit. He got a 7-3 and three guy 
Um, he had a no contest, which was also actually a loss on Contender Series, and then an 11-4 and four guy. So, like, he did eventually fight a couple of decent guys at the end, but when you have a resume like that, to then use his record as part of your analysis, it's just wrong. And we're going to talk later about, like, could you have picked him? Certainly, but you've got to use one of my other commandments, too. Um, but in this case, yeah, like, just don't ignore how weak people's schedules are. Right, and this actually dovetails nicely into another one of mine, which was, uh, these go basically hand-in-hand, thou shalt listen to Gumby when it comes to <laughs> UFC newcomers, or you can do your own extensive research uh, on on debuting fighters, but it's probably easier just to listen to, to what Gumby says, because he watches all these events. So uh, that pretty much goes hand-in-hand with, with the one that you have. Um, and, and it goes hand-in-hand with another one I have coming up. But, yeah, don't... Um, just go with uh, what other people say, unless their name's Gumby. Um, check, like Dan says, strength of schedule. If if uh, you really want to put some serious money in someone, you know, take the time and, and you can find clips of pretty much everybody. Uh, you can find clips of anything you want in the world, basically, on YouTube. So, um, or if you have UFC, um, UFC Fight Pass, a lot of those, prom- oh, there's tons of prom- promotions on there too. So there's no excuse not to not to do your homework um, unless you just want to uh, throw your money away. So invest it wisely if if you plan on uh, betting on newcomers. And there is money to to be made on the prelim portion of the card, which is Dan does a whole show about that prelim picker. And we tend, it, it seems we tend to, to do pretty well picking prelims every week, even when we were in the horrible slump. Our prelim picks were, were coming through a lot better than the main card. So um, that is my second commandment, which goes right hand-in-hand with dance. Yeah, and and I will say this, too. You know, you mentioned uh, making sure you do your own research. It takes almost no time to just look them up on Tapology. It's one page. You don't even have to look for the other fighters' records in that database. It just shows them right in that fighter's profile, which makes it super easy to access. Um, And then, like Jeff said, you know, two seconds to look on YouTube. Um, and usually there's a fight of them, even if you just watch a round. You don't even have to watch their whole fight. If you can't devote that much time, you can get a decent sense of what a person looks like in one round of one of their more recent fights. Watch that one round. Because if you watch that one round at uh, Jordan Wright, you would not have been on him to beat Joaquin Buckley. Um, but, and actually, before we move too far away from Jordan Wright and hammering the Jordan Wright line. You and Jordan Wright. He yeah. has a good nickname, at least, right? Yeah, the Beverly Hillbilly, right? Or Be- Beverly yeah, Hills the Hillbilly? Beverly Hills Ninja. Beverly oh, Hills Ninja. Ninja, Ninja. Yeah. sorry. Even better. So <laughs> Go I, uh, ahead, sorry. I, I, didn't, uh, I didn't mean to harp on him entirely, so if you're a Jordan Wright fan, or hey, maybe if you're Jordan Wright listening to this, I didn't mean to hammer this point home too hard, but also do not, or thou shall not, sorry, let's, let's at least yes, get the nomenclature right. Thou shall not get too excited about first round finishes. Um, a lot of times when you're breaking down fights, you might look back at somebody's record and be like, oh my God, he's finishing everybody in the first round, especially when it's a prospect who hasn't been to the UFC yet. You know, like a guy gets signed by the UFC. A lot of times the, the UFC signs these guys because they have all those first round finishes, right? That's, that's a sign that they're killers, um, and Dana White loves that style. So, you know, even on contender series, you see those guys get snatched up all the time because of a big finish. The thing to think about there, though, is like, again, Jordan Wright, I mentioned he was 11-0 and with one no contest, which technically he lost on the contender series, but he was 11-0 and coming into that fight, and he had 10 first-round finishes and a second-round finish. That was it. So, like, he had never even seen what a third round looked like. He barely seen what a second round looks like. 
And while that seems to be like, oh, cool, he's got a whole bunch of finishing ability, he's got sub-skills, he's got KO skills, the other thing you don't know is when he steps up in competition, to sort of dovetail with that last commandment, is when he steps up in competition and somebody is able to take his best shot for the first time, what does that look like? And if you fall in love with the fact that he's finishing people in the first round or she's finishing people in the first round, you have to think about the fact that maybe they don't have the best gas tank. Maybe they don't have the ability to look good in the second round. Maybe their power goes away after round one. There's so many unknowns on a fighter who finishes everything in the first round that, don't get me wrong, you can like them and you can pick them, but I just wouldn't fall in love too much with that portion of the analysis. You know, if you like their hooks, you know, like their hooks. If you like the fact that they got crazy takedowns and quick submissions, cool, like that about them. But don't love only the fact that they got early submissions. This is actually that's a commandment that Dana White would would uh, would he uh, do all the heed because he is all about killers, quote unquote killers. Uh, you, you see some guys with and gals with very questionable skills and very questionable resumes, but they do something flashy on a contender series or in in the Ultimate Fighter house, which surprise surprise is coming back. It was just announced, um, just what we needed. Um, yeah, and Dana White falls in love with them and, and signs them up. Um, plus. Uh, the, the tougher competition, the less finishes that you're going to get. Um, just look at the Dan was Dan crapped all over the undercard of Bellator, and uh, look at uh, look at their undercard. It was all all finishes last night, except for except for one decision, um, because you don't have the best matchups on on these smaller, and that that's a big promotion. Also, you don't get these matchups on on the smaller end of the of the um, fight. Um, fight uh, promotion uh, rankings or, or charts. Uh, so at, when you hit the UFC, you're going to get, you're going to have, uh, it's going to be a lot harder for you to finish people is what I'm trying to spit out here. So um, what Dan says is right. I, I agree with that commandment also. All right. So I think we're on to your third. There you go. Before the, the, let me tell you about something else. I believe in first before I, uh, before I break into my third one, that would be about BetQL, uh lovely, another lovely sponsor of ours. Uh, looking to get an edge and make smarter bets during March Madness. BetQL's algorithms scan thousands of data points across every game to find the best bets. Easily find most profitable bets based on their top betting trends. Your brackets may bust, but your bankroll doesn't have to head to BetQL.com to get started today. You can get it from the app store or Google play and make sure you download the app. Bet smarter, not harder, and uh, I think this code's still uh, applicable, even though we're into April. Uh, use code March30 for 30% off BetQL for a year. That's BetQL.com, code, promo code March30, and that's another spot I always go on and see their awesome odds for the Phoenix Suns that they're always correct on. All right, um, thank you, BetQL. Now, let's go on to my third one. What should we do next? How about... Thou shalt not invest in glass jaws ever. <laughs> um, this is one that I'm very big on. Um, once a fighter, especially an older fighter, once they get knocked out, that's pretty much it uh, for them. They continually get knocked out. Um, the way you can make money off this is often um, the fighter uh, is the last person to realize that um, they no longer have the jaw they used to have or the chin they used to have, and they continue to fight the way they always fought when they could absorb punches. Um, and betting line does not always reflect this either, especially if it's a bigger name guy. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, the the lines are, are trading on, on that fighter's uh, past glory still. So if you see a fighter, like I will call people, like Chris Weidman, for instance, or even Frankie Edgar now, guys like that, 
um, older guys, former champions, but they are getting knocked out uh, quite often. Um, always bet against them, or if you think there's a chance they may win the fight, just avoid picking the fight um, whatsoever. Don't waste your money on it. Um, once once the fighter's chin is gone, it does not come back unless they drastically change the way they fight, like, I say, Andre Arlovsky or uh, Alistair Overeem uh, have done. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. And, and the best way to think about that, too, is is we talked about in the past, concussions are not – oh, well, I got hit by that really big puncher, and now this guy punches less hard, so I shouldn't get knocked out by him. Concussions are cumulative. They they pile up on a guy. It's it's not right to think of them as like, okay, that one is over. This guy doesn't hit quite that hard. It, it's, it's just important to remember that those types of things stack on top of one another, um, which is – you know, like you said, you, you listed some of the guys. I think Overeem's another one uh, who who just man, he he. I don't think it necessarily he didn't not know when to quit, but like man, it was clear when he got hit, it was bad. So yeah, yep. uh, I would say remember that those are cumulative. Exactly. Yes, um, we're agreeing with each other, which is I guess is good. It probably makes for less entertaining podcasts, but hey, uh, we're giving you good advice at least. So, well, what well is I will your, say that mm. you you gave a, a pass to Andre Arlovsky, so that automatically made me agree with you. <laughs> That's it's, true. Because as long as you're giving a pass to my boy Andre Arlovsky, uh, I will I will be nice. So, one of Dan's many boyfriends, a non chunky uh, boyfriend of his. Mostly he goes for the chunky guys, but Arlovsky's still still holding up pretty well in his old age. Absolutely. All right, so let me get to my third one here. So my third uh, MMA gambling commandment is going to be don't play MMA math. Say it right, please. Do, Jeopardy style. Thou. Thou. Oh, sorry, sorry. Thou shall not <sighs> play MMA math. Yeah. Uh, yes. It, it's one of the worst things that you can do when you're breaking down fights is say, well, this person lost to this person and this person had beat him. And I can come up with, like, tons of examples in my head of – like the rock, paper, scissors combination, right? Because, like, you know, Holly Holm beat Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey beat Misha Tate. Misha Tate beat Holly Holm. Styles make fights, right? Like, that's why that happened. You know, like, uh, Anthony Pettis beat Benson Henderson. Benson Henderson beat Clay Guida. Clay Guida beat Anthony Pettis. Um, and, again, it's just those style matchups, right? Like, the the guy who's a phenomenal wrestler beats the guy who can't stop the wrestling takedown. But the guy who's a flashy striker beats the guy who is willing to strike with him in Benson Henderson. And Benson Henderson has got enough takedown defense to stop Clay Guida's good takedowns. And then Clay Guida has to box with him, and that's bad for him. So, like, all of those things, you know, are true statements. They're ways that we break down fights. The styles matter far much more than than who has previously lost to who and even in what way they've lost to him. Even that's not that important. So I would just say don't ever play the MMA math game, especially when you're talking about your own money. Right, we're we're into math and numbers here, but that that really isn't. It's called MMA math, but it really isn't isn't data driven at all, or or uh, you'd find the the flaws behind it. Um, but people tend to do it often, especially um, when uh, people often rely on it when they're complaining about uh, how where a fighter is ranked. Oh God, uh, it's like, don't even get me started. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a voted uh, rankings, or if it's like the performance rankings, I do them on MMA-manifesto.com. Um, they're like, well, that guy beat that. Yeah, you, you get that constantly. Uh, MMA math mathematicians um, when it comes to rankings. Yeah, and it's really obnoxious. <laughs> exactly. Um, 
but like I said, we're, we're all into the numbers and data, but that does not MMA math, MMA math is basically the the, uh, the opposite of that. Um, guys that are also are into the data, uh, guys and gals, are the people over at PicksWise.com, helmed by a team of trend-watching, data-devouring, sports fanatic wise guys, giving you the who, how, and why behind every prediction on every game, every day, and every sport, all for free. PicksWise presents the Capra Contest to follow with the likes of John Rothstein, Rashad Phillips, Jeff Nadu, and six other experts, all competing for a $10,000 winner-takes-all prize. Follow the action for the free picks and analysis every day of the Big Dance by visiting PicksWise.com slash March dash madness. Easy for me to say. Uh, PicksWise.com slash March dash madness. And also, make sure you head over to Odds Crowd. Hopefully, you enter the Odds Crowd contest uh, for March Madness for your chance to win over $8,000, or actually right on $8,000. I'm giving away extra money for them. Uh, Oz Crowd has plenty of free contests, including a $5 weekly contest and a $2,000 season-long MLB contest. And Oz Crowd isn't just fantasy betting contests. It's a social app built just for sports bettors. Free to download. You can live group chat with other bettors, track your bets, set up private betting contests with your buddies, and much more. Download the app for free or go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash odds. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash odds. Yeah, make sure you go to that uh, link right there, sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash odds, because there's a lot of different, um, not just odds, but a lot of different um, promotions, uh, promos and whatnot, codes and things like that for you to, to get deals at, at places. So that is that. All right, uh, we're on to another one for me. Thou shalt not expect an old dog to learn new tricks. Um, basically, aka, there are no career comebacks in MMA. Um, this is another. This this goes hand in hand also with with the glass jaw thing. Um, <clears throat> you have to have an enormous amount of confidence to to get into the sport to begin with, and then to make it to the level that that these fighters are at. Um, so you're not going to see fighters quit on themselves um, ever, even if the writing is on the wall, and they should have quit on themselves years ago. I am retired um, for their health and and for their win loss record. Um, they still stick on and they still have a another title fight and title run in in their uh, in their future. Like Chris Wyman's talking about a title another title run and Frankie Edgar was talking about title runs and I'm sure Jose Otto thinks he has another title run. Uh, it doesn't happen. Uh, basically, is um, the Colorado facts. Uh, like like I said, uh, we're into reality and, and stats around these places and you can go through the championship history of the UFC and you only need a little more than, than one hand to count the number of people who have lost their title and gone on to, to regain it. Um, people get stripped of title sometimes when you gain it, but it's very, very rare that someone loses their title and then um, they fall from grace, they fall from the top of the sport and then they, they head back there. Uh, even though every Champion claims that's what's going to happen. Um, just skimming through the list quickly. Um, a lot of them are in the heavyweight division, um, where you can get by with with one big hit, or you can or you can lose on, on one big hit. Um, Randy Couture did it. Um, Tim Sylvia did it. Cain uh, Velasquez and Stipe. Um, those they've those people have reclaimed their titles. Couture also did it in light heavyweight. But we're talking about ancient history um, here. Um, then middleweights, I don't think no no one did in middleweight. Uh, GSP did after, did it after he got uh, beat by um, beat by Matt Serra in the upset. But we're talking a young fighter, and this was decades ago when the sport was was uh, in its infancy, basically. Um, and then 
heading down the list, there's basically not much else. Um, like I said, sometimes people may get stripped of the title, get it back like Dominic Cruz, but basically once you lose, you are done. Uh, TJ Dillashaw uh, is another one who did it. That is it. Um, in the history of, of the UFC, that is all the people who have fallen from the top and made their way back, back up there. So don't believe any fighter who claims that they're, you know, going to change their ways and they still have another title run in them. Um, basically, I'm saying fit the old guys. Yeah, and I would also say, too, that, like, the, the you know, the original commandment, thou shall not uh, expect an uh, old dog to learn new tricks. I don't right. think even you just have to apply that to champions either, right? Like, you can apply no. that to people who, who are way up in the division and seem to have lost their footing and, and slid right. back down, right? Like, you – not that we should write off Cub Swanson, right? But, like, Cub Swanson is not the Cub Swanson of old, right? Like, we, we yep. can't expect Cub Swanson to be the Cub Swanson who challenged for the title or, or got darn close to, to being the kingpin of that division. We now have to expect him to be what he is. And also, like, the idea of reinventing themselves and, you know, like, there's always that narrative, right? Like, you've, you've read the articles. This person is, you know, got this new thing going on or is going to do this thing in the new way. And, like, you can expect them to have this new wrinkle you really can't, right? Like, like you know, you you mentioned Arlovsky widely changed what he does, and, and that is the rarest of instances, right? Like the very rarest of instances, because a lot of people who do that, you know, a, a power punching heavyweight who got in there and got knocked out a ton of times, he's gonna okay. So we read that article. He's gonna be composed and he's gonna you know figure himself out. He goes out there, he throws two leg kicks, and all of a sudden he's like, and hulks up and starts brawling, right? Like, in, in, and it's just unavoidable, and it's not his fault. It's just like that's what's been ingrained in him for you know forty five fights. So of course he's gonna fall back on that. And you know I don't mean to hate on Cub Swanson or Chris Weidman or anything like that, but to expect those guys to be completely different fighters than when they reached the top in the first place. It's just kind of unrealistic in, in, like you said, like to just expect them to do so without like having any evidence either that that's sort of the, the biggest flaw, right? Like just don't read that article and say to yourself, well, they said they're different. Right. Yeah. Like you named exceptions to the rule, uh, people who, who, uh, and it is exceptions to the rule. That, that could be another commandment. Uh, don't, don't, um, use exceptions to the rule to, to convince yourself that uh, that it's it's not a rare thing to happen. Arlovsky's one of the rare people who who changed. It's not like he's going to be UFC champ again though anytime soon. So uh, I, I named all the chances. Basically, that's uh, that's a high profile example of um, of guys um, trying to make it to the top who are not able to get back to the top. Um, it's very hard to get there in the first place. It's near impossible to get there uh, the second time. But and this is also uh, the flip side of this uh, commandment is also a way that you can, you can get yourself some decent, decent money is go against these people. A lot of times casual betters will go for the big name guy. So the lines may, uh, may be in your favor on the flip side of that. So if you see a, a person who's, you think is shot, then, you know, check the line out, and it, it may be favorable uh, coming back on, on the opponent. Absolutely. Well, let's, uh, let's move on to my fourth one here. So for my fourth one, I'm actually going to talk to you guys about props instead of just picking winners here. So we'll get into a little bit more nitty-gritty advice here in that thou shalt not consider wins more than losses when picking a betting prop. 
Uh, and what I mean by that is, you know, a lot of times, you know, people see those names like Jordan Wright out there, uh, not to keep harping on that guy. <laughs> I must have had his tapology page open in my sleep or something like that. Um, you better never go near Beverly Hills or you're in trouble. <laughs> he's coached by one of my favorite fighters of all time, too. I, I feel bad hating on him. Uh, he's coached by... Uh, the janitor, Vladimir Matyashenko, who oh, uh, I remember him. Yes, was always a big. He actually fought Tito. One of John Jones's John Jones's early victims. He actually fought least. Tito for the title. Did you know that? To, to oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, way, yeah, yeah. Way, right. way yeah. back. Yeah. So he fought Jones too, though. Did you know? Yeah, I think he had his yeah, head okay. split open with one of those elbows back when John yes, Jones was right. knocking people out. Um, yeah. So yeah, Let's go back, ahead. Sorry. Back to my original point. So. A lot of times we look at what the person who's winning the fight does to win the fight, right? Like we see a guy, oh, you know, Ryan Hall has got 89 submission wins and his 89 wins, right, or something like that. And then you look at his opponent and it's, you know, you take somebody like Darren Elkins that he fought. A lot of people might have looked at that fight and said, well, Ryan Hall is going to submit Darren Elkins because he submits everybody. So if he's going to win, I might as well bet on him to win by submission. But the fact of the matter is in that fight is that, Darren Elkins is not a guy who gets subbed a lot, right? Darren Elkins is a madman. Darren Elkins has got good jujitsu. Darren Elkins trains at Alpha Male. Like, there were a lot of things on the wall there that tell you if Darren Elkins is going to lose, it's probably going to be a decision, right? Like, that's how Darren Elkins loses. He loses decisions. So in those types of fights, a lot of times we look at how the fighter wins, but they should weigh heavily how they lose, the other fighter loses as well, okay? And those should be weighted. I'm not saying one should be weighted more than the other, but they should be weighted both in some way, shape, and form in the way that you break down a fight. Just looking at how the guy wins and then hitting that line, sort of silly. Make sure you pay attention to the way the person loses as well. Very good, very good. Uh, One for Mr. Gumby Vreeland. Um, All right, my last one. Um, Lao Shelt. Pay uh, heed to Public Enemy and not don't believe the hype. Do you remember that song, Dan? Don't believe the hype. It came out in '88. You weren't even alive yet. Never. Mind. I, I so. was not alive in '88. That's correct. <laughs> Public Enemy says, "Don't believe the hype," and thou shalt not believe the hype. So basically, what I'm saying here is, uh, avoid big name fighters. Um, avoid betting on them. Even if uh, I'm saying, even if you think they're going to win, because the number is not going to be very favor- favorable. Um, favorable in in uh, it, on money coming back to you because um, we we harp on this all the time like uh, big name people like Conor McGregor or Jorge Masvidal or, or Nate Diaz the lines are going to get skewed with with the um, casual sports fans betting on it so I'm saying just even if you think you're going to win uh, not not worth the risk just avoid avoid betting on big name fighters yeah and, and you could say this about the first time we broke down Connor versus Dustin because I'm pretty sure if I we go back to that, I remember at least I took Connor McGregor in that fight. I did, I did too. Yeah, yeah. We, we both we both bought into it. Yeah. Yeah, but I think too, if you go back and listen to our breakdown of that episode too, I think we both clearly stated we hated the odds. There, there's nothing yeah, we liked yeah. about those odds because exactly that, right? Like Connor McGregor draws the casual better, and there are probably some guys. You know, you mentioned some of the bigger ones there are probably some guys who are close to entering in that. Like, I think it's going to start being increasingly hard to bet on Francis Ngannou. Um, right, yep. That knockout of Stipe, as viral it was, as big as the, the John Jones promotion is and everything else that's going on with him, it's going to be start being hard to bet on him and, and get a reasonable number. Um, you know, Israel Adesanya, Conor McGregor, Jorge Masvidal. Like, even if you think these guys are winning – 
you probably want to stay away from him. And like we talked about with Poye a little bit earlier, if these are the types of guys you want to bet against uh, on the flip side of your commandment here, if you don't like these guys to win, or even if you think it's a coin flip, those odds are always skewed towards those people. Because like you said, the casual better just loves them. Right. Um, now, I'm I'm putting a caveat on this um, so we don't get called out for being hypocrites in the future. Uh, Dan and I are forced to bet on every fight, uh, on every fight card. So there's going to be times where we're going to pick uh, big name people and favorites in the future, but we're we're saying it's probably not wise uh, investing uh, in in these in these fighters because the lines are going to be skewed. Um, but we are forced by our degenerate nature to bet on every fight and every card stuff. So. Yeah, and and that's, like like we said, that's the way we run this show, but I think we've said more than 85 times that, like, if you are trying to be a reasonable uh, gambler here and, and to make some money, uh, the, the right play here is by, you know, heeding some of these commandments uh, and, and staying away from those big whopping lines on, on guys like Connor. Exactly. All right. All right. One more for you? Yeah, I got one more left. And, and this one, I had to think about this one a little bit because I did want to talk about props, which I already did once. But as I was coming up with them, I actually came up with two. And this is one that I think a lot of people, even people who, who are pretty serious gamblers, do a lot of. And I am, for one, against it. So maybe this comes out as a controversial one, which is why it's my last one. And that's thou shall not double and triple up on prop bets in the same fight. Um, and the reason I don't like this is because of what it does to your odds. Um, so like if you think, let's say you, you think, uh, you know, that Connor fight versus Dustin Poirier, which a lot of us did when we originally broke it down, was Connor by knockout or Poirier by decision. And both of them were at plus numbers. So you're like, oh, cool, plus numbers. But you put 100 on both of them. Well, basically what you just did was you cut all of those numbers in half. Because you bet $200, not $100, but you're getting the return for $100. And, and this is just like very simple mathematical terms, but anytime you, you double down on multiple props at the same level, you are essentially cutting both of those props in half. Are you cutting some of the risk back? Sure, you're cutting some of the risk back. But in playing for a prop, you're usually playing to try to boost the odds. So by hitting multiple props at the same time, you're really sucking those odds down and putting them in a place where if they're not both at least plus 200, which they probably are, you're now at a place where even winning loses. So, and when we talk about tripling down, and sometimes people do this with rounds, same thing. You're subtracting two-thirds of your your odds on each one of those bets, right? Because no longer are you getting three-to-one odds on that bet, you're getting one-to-one odds on those bets. No longer are you getting six-to-one odds, you're now getting two-to-one odds. So it's really important, at least when I'm thinking about it on a large scale, that when you're looking at those types of things, know that two bets at the same level cut your odds in half, three bets cuts them in a third, and God forbid four bets would make them a quarter of as big as they usually are. So for me, this is even, you know, I think it's extra important in MMA when, you know, there are 80 different outcomes every single time, and you can pick rounds, and you can pick finishes, and you can pick... And, you know, hey, it could be a draw, and all of those things could be off anyway. Uh, I, I just think doubling and tripling down on props in a single fight is just kind of crazy. No, very good. Uh, Gumby is dropping some knowledge on your heads. Um, what about the person uh, who enters my uh, the pick'em contest I run for 
uh, every UFC event over at MMA-Manifesto.com. What about the guy who picks no contest disqualification for every fight on every card? <laughs> is that a is that a good – is that kind of go hand-in-hand with what you're saying? Or? Is, there, is there somebody who does that? There's someone who does that. And it makes me – I was telling my son about that. And, like, what's the point of that? You're not making anyone laugh. You're not even making – I'm the only person who sees it, and I'm not laughing at it. Yeah, like, if they were published um, – <laughs> That'd be cool, yeah. but like, what if his his name just appears at the bottom of the leaderboard every week? Yeah, exactly. And uh, he types in, I don't know, for ones you type in answers for. So yeah, there's uh, interesting people out there. So. <laughs> that, that probably that probably has nothing to do with what we were talking about, but um, that, that's um, that just came in my head, and that's uh, it's interesting. So so that is our our ten commandments. Um, we can put an asterisk on that and give you an eleventh commandment. That would be, Thou shalt always go to better than dot Vegas. Uh, because it's like YouTube, but for what hashtag the gens only care about, which would be sports betting. Uh, us good people over at SGP, Sports Gambling Podcast Network, are giving out free daily pick, video picks over our, on our Better Than Vegas profile page. Better Than Vegas is always running a ton of free contests as well. they got a ton of free picks and handicappers to check out. So make sure you subscribe to our profile so you don't miss a pick. SportsGamblingPodcast.com slash BTV. That's SportsGamblingPodcast.com slash BTV. Um, Go ahead and subscribe to Top Turtle while you're over there too. Uh, if you want to put a, a face to the voice and you get to see you don't, don't uh, you get to see Dan's face. You don't get to see his co-host's face. Uh, you only get to see behind that luchador mask. As far as I've seen, I haven't seen. You see his dog's faces sometimes, but I don't think you, you ever get to see Shockwave's face, right? Will there be a big reveal at some point? Do you think? I don't. I don't know if there will or not, but uh, I wouldn't hold my breath. <laughs> no, they, they took the mask off Ray Mysterio even, so there, there could be a chance that there may be uh, a mask reveal, a face reveal at some point. So anyhow, better than Dot Vegas is the spot to go. Um, all right, I thought quickly we will do one more thing. We always pack these shows for you when there's no UFC. We'll be back on our regular picking nothing but winners um, shows coming up next show. But um, a sports book which will not be named because they're not paying us to name them, uh, recently um, came out with their projected champions of every weight class at the end of this year. We did this, I think, what, starting of the we year, did, I think? right at the start yeah. of the year, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and I quizzed Dan, and I'm, I, sh- I should probably have that that page open too, but that would take searching through my site for a while. So forget that. Um, Dan's got a good memory. Maybe he'll remember what these odds were to begin the year, but – uh, you can check them all out at MMA-Manifesto.com. Uh, scroll down. I posted it on the 30th of March, um, and it has all the basically divisional champ odds at the end of the year. So I thought we'd run through that quickly, see how smart Dan is. I always like to put him on the spot here, as a good host does, and then we will uh, we'll send you out into the world. So Bantamway champion, end of this year, Mr. Breland. Who is it, and what's the odd? So I'm going to say it's Piotr Jan. Um, yes, correct. Before, I think Al Jermaine Sterling might have actually been the favorite or damn close to it. I, I think after seeing him fight once, uh, we've now seen Piotr Jan against somebody who I believe is elite, um, which yep. was my hesitation in picking him before, is that I'd never seen him fight anybody better than, you know, Dominic Cruz, um, like an old-aged Dominic Cruz and an old-aged Jose Aldo. So um, I, I'll say he's the favorite and probably as high as, like, negative 200. Uh, plus 100. So oh, wow. you might want to might get in on that. Um, uh, they're they're decent odds for you. Um, Aljamain Sterling, the current champ, uh, he, he's actually fully is embracing that now. Uh, he's at plus 225. Is he second um, out of curiosity? Yeah, I, yeah, he's second. Who, who even, do you think would be? 
I don't even know who, if I would pick him second, to be honest with who, you. Who would you pick second? We'll, I think we'll I'd see where you're going to fall. I think I'd probably pick either. I, I think I'd probably pick TJ Dillashaw second, to be honest. Uh, with he's you. fourth. He's uh, fourth at plus five fifty. Is is the other one in between Corey Sandhagen? Yes, Corey yeah. Sandhagen plus five hundred. So yeah, that makes sense. Um, I'm yep. a little bit surprised that those two. I mean, not Corey Sandhagen being higher than Aljo because Aljo has a win and people like to play MMA math. I'm a little surprised yeah. TJ Dillashaw isn't higher because, um, you know, just enough people writing off what that USADA suspension did to him. I'm not one of right. the people who wrote that off because uh, in those two years he was away, we saw some pictures of him looking uh, fairly chunky in front of his new uh, juice bar, which is called, by the way, Clean Juice, just in case you were wondering. <laughs> How um, ironic. Yeah, the, the guy ironic. on a two-year USADA suspension opened a juice bar called Clean Juice. Um, yeah, interesting. Just perfect. Um, yeah. And uh, but yeah, like I would have expected, there's enough people writing him off that he'd be higher. But yeah, I guess it makes sense. Aljo at least has got the shot, which is, um, yeah, I mean that's half the game. He could pull out injured and still have the title at the end of the year. Exactly. Yeah, things like that. You have to. Well, you're not necessarily picking the best fighter or or who you think will be the longest serving champ or who will be the, even the next champ uh, for that matter. Uh, Cause you don't know when, when these fights are going to happen. So, um, so let's ban away featherweight uh, current champ, Alexander Volkanovsky. Is he the favorite to be the champ at the end of the year? He was supposed to fight what last week or last fight card. Um, he pulled out cause he got COVID. It's been announced that he and uh, the man he was supposed to face Brian Ortega will be next coaches on the Ultimate Fighter show that we don't, no one watches, but they're insisting on putting it out there because hashtag content is king apparently. So um, they'll be fighting later on in this year. Well, won't be anytime soon though. Um, so I gave Dan enough time to think about it. Who is the favorite? It should be Volkanovski, and it should be Volkanovski yes. very clearly, in my opinion. Although in one of these types of bets where you have lots of people. Um, you know, I, th- I think those odds don't get too, too high, but I'm still going to say, like I did for Piotr Jan, I'm going to stick with negative 200 here because I think that that's a clear favorite. Um, and also with the delay having fought uh, Brian Ortega, you know, that, that not being until much later, um, I-, I think he might only fight once in 2021. So uh, right. I'm, I'm going to say him fairly easily, negative 200. Plus 100. Man. So there's another, be- another bet for you to get in on, Dan. He's plus 100, Ortega's plus 300, and I, I don't think there's really any, there's other, like, Holloway's plus 400, like, I don't know why you'd waste your money. Uh, actually, this twice. <laughs> yeah, plus, he was, what are the odds of him even getting a title shot this year? It would, I think you would actually, need an Ortega pullout, like, that, yeah, that's the answer. That's right. This was actually released, no, I think about it, it was released before the Ultimate Fighter announcement happened a few days after, so maybe the odds have changed since that time, but... You have to go find them on your own because I am not hyping the sports book. So, well, that's by the way. Uh, flyweight champ, end of 2021. Current champ is Division Figueredo. He will be fighting Brandon Moreno this summer. They fought to a draw um, in their first meeting. Who is the favorite? So I'm going to say Davidson Figueredo again. Correct. Three for three, yeah. Because he should have won that fight. I've been yeah. way too high on the odds, so I'm going to pull him down a little bit. But I'm still going to say he's a negative number because, again, he's going to fight Moreno, who he basically already beat with the exception of a dick kick. Um, I'll say negative 130. Negative 150, so you're, you're right in there. Negative. Yeah, neg- and then uh, Moreno obviously second plus 300. Um, 
Garbrandt plus 400. Garbrandt wait also Cody Garbrandt. Wait a second. Wait a second. Cody yep. Garbrandt is third? Yep, Cody Garbrandt is third. Is, he's also on the Bantamweight list. And he's fighting Bantamweight next, is he not? I have no yeah, idea. Yeah, he has a full oh, he's, Rob he's fighting Ron Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I don't know how he winds well, up on that, that list higher than Askar yeah. Askarov. Cause, uh, yeah, Askar Askarov is – is on there plus 550. He's, yeah, there's uh, no way he should be lower part. than Cody Garbrandt. That's silly. Yeah. Um, I don't there think he's going to be the champ at the end of the year, but Asgar no. Askarov should be higher than, than Cody Garbrandt. Yeah, exactly. Garbrandt is all eighth on the Bantamweight list, it looks like, too. So I, I guess the thought there is he's the former champ and a big enough name they were going to give him a title shot without even fighting feather flyweight. So I guess there's a chances, uh, like the odds are in his favor to get a shot before one of these other uh, lesser name flyweights. Maybe that's what people are are counting on. Yeah, either that or the book is just looking at him like, oh, nobody's going to drop future odds on Askar Askarov, yeah. and everybody's going to look for Cody Garbrandt fun prop odds. Right. All right. Here's an interesting one. Heavyweight current champ, a new champ, Francis Ngannou is the current and new champ who will be the champ at the end of the year. So I'm going to say Ngannou's still the favorite. Correct. Because he just looks so good. I'm going to say it's not a big number though. I'm going to say even money, but I'm going to say I wouldn't be shocked to see him at plus money. Minus 200. Oh, my God. I got him all backwards. Exactly. You do. Negative Who's 200? Talking? Seriously? Yeah, negative 200. Yeah. It, I, maybe there's maybe that has to do with the confusion of who who and when he's going to fight next, maybe. maybe I mean, he's going to fight again this year. Yeah, you'd think so. It's, it's really logically, in the and it should be against John Jones. John Jones should be second on this list, by the way. Yeah, he is. Correct. And then, and then Derek Lewis. Uh, no. <laughs> Stipe. Stipe and then Derek. Dude, yeah. That's not yeah. good. That's not a good Jones, <clears throat> Jones plus 250. Stipe plus 400. Derek plus 600. Stipe shouldn't, be, Stipe shouldn't be ahead of Derek Lewis, and I will say no. because of this reason. Number one, who here is clamoring to see Stipe fight him again after that? Right. Probably nobody. He probably needs to fight one more person before he gets the shot again. And here's the other thing I will say, too. Stipe, in the past few years, not been the most active of fighters. He has not come back quickly from wins. Like, now his head has been rattled around by one of the hardest punchers in the history of mankind, and suddenly you're like, oh, he'll be back next week. Like, come on. Yeah. No doubt. So uh, Dan's finding lots of faults with these lists. So there's money to be made, that means. so. Um, light heavyweight, current champ, Jan Blokowicz. Who will be champ at the end of the year? He just fought what a month ago or so. I got to imagine it's him coming off the Izzy win is the favorite. Correct. Which is interesting that that because at the beginning of the year I think we had quite a few guys who were not champs be the favorites in their right. divisions. Yeah, uh, but he's a favorite, so that's good. I would say the win over Izzy definitely probably provided him some some extra juice. Uh, I'll say he's right around um, the negative one fifty we talked about with. Uh, Damn, who is just negative 150, did I mention? Uh, Figueredo. Figueredo. Yeah, I'm going to say he's right around the Figueredo market, negative Plus 100. You're, you're wrong. Damn. You're wrong again. You, you're getting the fighters right, but the number's wrong. So maybe that means there's money out there to be had, people. Plus 100. Although I will say yeah. here, you know, I, I do like Jan, but I think this probably, I, I guessed the negative number again because there's just, there's a lot of possible challengers, but I don't know who's, I mean, like, Glover is going to get that fight, right? Like Glover is is supposedly in line. Do I think Glover is going to? In yeah. Do I think Glover is going to beat him? No. I'm curious yeah. as to who third is though. I'm going to ask. Yeah. Let me let me give you a couple of guesses. Okay. My first guess 
is who I think should be third, although I'm guessing he's probably going to wind up being fourth or fifth. Third should be Yuri Prohashka. Prohashka is one, two, three, four, five, six, plus 1,400. Okay. So maybe get in on that. I, I don't think he's going to talk himself into a title shot, which is probably no. his biggest issue. But let me tell you something. He is probably the right kind of matchup to beat somebody like Jan Blankovic. Right. Although I guess I don't know too, too much about his takedown defense. He's fighting, what, Dominic Reyes next, right? Yeah, which is like a good is, fight to jack you up to title yeah. contention. Um, yep. I'm trying to think of who else would be in there. I mean, like... So, Jan's Jack- plus 100, Glover's plus 250, and, and then I got three people in between him and Yuri? Yep. Okay. I mentioned one of them just a minute ago, so... You mentioned... Dominic Reyes. Dominic Reyes 900. is higher? Plus 900, so... Oh, I, what? that's not right. Yeah. <laughs> that's not right. Dan's getting personally hurt by this, it sounds no, like. No, well, it's just yeah, like, who, like what, what part of him fighting Jan Blankovic makes you yep. feel comfortable about that? Like, See, I, I think you're forgetting, missing someone maybe obvious for third that people would be willing to throw some money on. Someone who may be trying to... It's not John yes. Jones. It is. It Get is. Out of here. He's, he's never going to make 205 again. Have you seen but, uh, the size I'm, of that man? I know. It would take but him until December I'm, to get there. <laughs> I'm hearing I'm hearing the speculation. People are speculating that he's trying to talk his way out of uh, out of this heavyweight not, fight and he back down into light heavyweight. <laughs> I know. but The reason yeah. he left the division was because he wouldn't <laughs> get paid there. <laughs> exactly. Exactly, yeah. So plus three fifty, and then Alexander Rakic plus six fifty. Oh, so. I should have I should have thought of his name. That that one I yeah. I can kick myself for not having. He should have been three or three A with Yuri Prohashka. Yeah. All right. So we're all we're chalk so far with uh, all current champs. This one we can't be chalk because there is no current champ. That would be lightweight. Who is lightweight champion at the end of twenty twenty one? Charles Oliveira and. Michael Chandler will be fighting for it in the couple of months for the vacant title. Who is the favorite to be champ at the end of the year, though? I'm going to get silly with this. I think it's Devin okay. Poirier. And, incorrect. You finally got one wrong. Ah. I'm being silly. Poirier's third, plus 375. Third? Oh, I, I actually like his odds there because uh, I do think by the end of the year he's fighting for the title. You think he's going to fight again after two Conor yeah. McGregor fights and big paydays. You think you'll have another? I do. Okay. Yeah, because I think also the beauty of this is that it's it's one of those strike while the iron's hot moves, right? Like, he right. he fought Conor. He beat Conor. He has a chance to call it a trilogy while it's really just like a second ass whooping, um, which is, like, good for him. Like, go get that payday. But I think ultimately yep. he wants to be the undisputed lightweight champion, which he's never been able to say. Um, That's true. And, like, he's fighting Conor almost exactly the same time the other two are fighting. How does that not lead you to a title fight in November or December against the two of them? Like, it, it just lines up so well for me. So I'm guessing the favorite is has got to be one of the two in the title. Is it Charles Oliveira? It is. Weird. Plus 150. Plus 150, and then Chandler plus 250, and then Poirier plus 375. I guess going back to Poirier, a lot of things have to – fall in place he's got to win a fight that he is the underdog in first of all oh whether, God, yeah. whether whether we we think that's right or not but he does have to win a fight where he's the underdog and come out relatively unscathed because that's what in july and then then uh the champ has to come out re- relatively unscathed that too and then they have six to six months to recover though yeah like, you can recover from a broken wrist in that amount of time 
And if you think McGregor's going to win, it's plus 800. Yeah, I don't. Probably that's that's not, actually not that bad of a line, really, because you can see him getting a title shot. You can see well, him getting a Well, if he wins, he's getting one. Not off a loss, yeah. so, like, it's not like he he's not going to – he's, he's going to be uh, uh want for chances. Is there anybody um, else listed at lightweight out of curiosity? Yeah. Um, okay, so I went – uh, Oliviera, Chandler, Poye, Gaethje plus five fifty, McGregor plus eight hundred, Ferguson plus nine hundred, Ferguson, Benil Dariush plus a thousand, Paul Felder plus eighteen hundred, Islam Makashev, the dark horse in, in my eyes plus two thousand. I guess he probably won't get a title shot this year. Though. Yeah, he's a twenty twenty two guy. I will say the yeah. interesting thing about Ferguson, and, and not that I'm saying he's going to win. Um, is he's on the same fight card right around the same time as those other right. four. Like, I think he's on the Connor. Yep. I think he's – no, I think actually he's on the Oliveira one. So if there were an is, injury yeah. to either of those two guys, it's not Benil Dariush who slips into the main event. It, it's it's Tony Ferguson. So, like, I, I think his odds probably exist solely within that realm of, like, oh, Charles Oliveira slipped on a banana peel, and now Michael Chandler's got to fight somebody – Tony Ferguson is the name. You give him one more chance, um, even though he's coming off a, a pretty gross loss to Charles Oliveira. But then I guess you could sell a uh, rematch or something like that. So, Yep, it's true. All right, uh, middleweight, current champ Izzy Adesanya, who just lost at light heavyweight, but he's the current middleweight champion still. Uh, who is the favorite? Izzy, substantially, yep. negative 200. Minus 150. So, okay. yeah, right, right around there. Pretty, pretty close. And then, who do you think's next? Um, I'm gonna say, oof, uh, two is probably Robert Whitaker. Correct. Um, Plus three hundred. Yeah, and it should be large because we saw what happened yeah. the first time. Three, I'm gonna say Marvin Vittori. Correct. Yeah. Plus six hundred. This this was with uh, Darren Till's on the list is still. So this came out. <laughs> it came out on the thirtieth. So I guess, I think this was before. Maybe not. Was it before? When did Till pull out? I can't remember. Oh, it was when we were... Probably right we around the then. Time. So the odds probably yeah. don't reflect that yet. Um, yeah. And he's got a broken collarbone. You won't see him in 2021, right. and if you do, it won't be right. for the title. So yeah. um, so is, was he four then? Yeah, yeah, he's fourth. All right, um, and then so then I'll say fifth will be Paulo Costa. No, he's six. Oh, he's tied for fifth. I'm sorry. Yeah, tied for fifth. He's tied with can, tied with someone else. Um, and can I guess that that person is Derek Brunson? No, Brunson. Yeah, he should be higher. He's plus fourteen hundred, so he's a step behind those this other guy and Costa. Um, the other one would be Calvin Gastelum. No, Gastelum's even lower, plus sixteen hundred. Okay, because I just guessed because he was fighting Whitaker, yeah. so that would give him the boost. Right. Yeah. I must be missing. Oh, Jared Cannonier. Yes. Yeah, uh, he's getting some respect, kind of. Plus twelve hundred. Yeah, that's that's a decent play. Yeah. Um, Kevin, Kevin Kevin Holland plus twenty five hundred. <laughs> it should be Kevin Holland plus seven million. Like, yeah, well, dude, he, like, he, he, you gotta think opportunities also well, when when you're making picks I guess I not I don't think he's going to be champ but no, you got you got to think guys guys have got more opportunities than than their skills uh dictate so. yeah and I will say too the the two that that kind of if you are going to look at these types of odds and I I don't love these types of odds but if there are two that tickle my fancy here it's probably Marvin Vittori and Derek Brunson in rematches uh being right. that we just watched Israel Desanya's takedown defense get exposed a little bit and those are two guys, like I said, the reason they're nightmare matchups for Kevin Holland is because their takedown offense is pretty good and they're decent at holding people down. And, like, 
Wouldn't be surprising to see either of them try to mimic what Jan Blankovic did, and whether or not they're able to is sort of here nor there. Um, it, but, like, those those are the two guys I like to do it. I actually like those two way more than I like Whitaker. There you go. Um, maybe some money to be had then, people. Um, welterweight. End of 2021. The current champ, Kamaru Usman, he's fighting Jorge Masvidal next. It's going to be Kamaru Usman, but my God, Correct. are the odds going to be stupid low on this? Because uh, people love Masvidal and Nate Diaz and Colby Covington. and Oh, God. Uh, I'm going to say, is it crazy to say he might be even money? No, it is crazy to say that. Yeah, minus 300. Oh, There's wow. That's what it should be. Yeah. Good. Exactly. Good. I'm actually happy. It's exactly. like, it 100% should be that because he's going to fight Masvidal in a rematch. Yeah, he's probably 50-40 for him again. Yeah. Um, yep. And then yep. if he fights again, man, I, 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 you got to imagine it might be – I mean, maybe it's not a rematch with, with Colby Covington at this point because Colby Covington seems to have negotiated himself out of that, and now yeah. now everybody else is fighting big fights. Uh, out of curiosity, how low is Colby Covington? We got Masvidal plus 450, Covington plus 650, so he's third in line. He's but third. That's, that, big, that's sort of crazy to me. Big because, number, though. Yeah, it, it's a big number, but I will also say I I don't think I would have him in my top five for even getting a title shot right now. Yeah. Um, Because while his fight with Usman is the most competitive, hell, that's one more reason not to put him in that, right? It's for Usman, yep. doesn't want that fight. Um, And I don't mean he's running from Colby Covington, but, like, it's not a as big. It's not a big enough sell of a fight in enough money for him to be like, oh yeah, give me the rematch against the guy who's really tough. And then since then, he's only fought Tyrone Woodley. You know, like, yep. and for for you know what it's worth, Vicente Luque just did better against Tyrone Woodley. So give Vicente Luque a t- no. I'm just kidding. Don't give Vicente Luque a title shot. But I would say like, you know, you got Nate Diaz fighting right now. If he wins against Leon Edwards. My goodness, you could give Nate Diaz a title shot. Big money, easy payday for Kamara Usman because he just demolishes him. Same with yep. Leon Edwards. You know, no offense to Leon Edwards. I think he's great. I think he's been close to a title shot for a long time now despite having not fought. A win over Nate Diaz could put him in a title shot. Usman's already beat him. Why not go beat the easier guy again? You know, uh, you could say the same thing about Gilbert Burns if he were to beat Wonderboy. Uh, you know, set that up. And even Wonder Boy beating Gilbert Burns, I would put in front of of Colby Covington sitting on the shelf, yep. right? Like Colby Covington yep. has done himself no favors in any regards to the fight game. He has literally made himself like a heel that even people who appreciate heels don't appreciate. Correct. Stephen Thompson plus one thousand. Uh, it kind of is a nice number. Yeah, I, 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 I guess if I like the, any of those numbers, that's probably the one I like because him beating yep. Gil, like the knock on him and why he didn't get this title shot over Masvidal is first of all, Masvidal is the easier payday, and Usman yep. could agree to it and win quick and then have another fight lined up. But the other thing was is that like who had Wonder Boy beaten, beaten recently? Right, like he had beaten Masvidal, but it was a while ago. You know, he's coming off wins over Jeff Neal and Vicente Luque, which was, you know, very nice for the UFC to be a guy who, like, gatekeeped the top of the division. But he needed, like, a win over a top guy. He beats Gilbert Burns that is that top guy. It's, it's like, time for the Wonder Boy. Is that be his third title shot? Um, yes. Yeah, two yeah with he, Woodley. he fought Lawler twice, right? Woodley twice, right? Woodley, I'm sorry, Woodley yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yes. All right. Um, go from the top guys to the top gals. Women's they don't have featherweight for some reason. Weird. <laughs> so weird. Women's bantamweight champion at the end of this year. 
uh, it should be Amanda Nunez even yes. even larger than Kamara Usman. Let's say five hundred, negative five hundred. Five fifty. There you go. You're yeah, right in there. Right on. Who who's second though? Who's, who's always second in these odds? Oh God, it's Holly Holm. It is Holly Holm, <laughs> even though she has no. She has pulled out of a fight, did she not? She's plus five fifty. I, I don't know. She's the most likely to get another one. Holly Holm, yep. then Jermaine Duran to me. No, no. Juliana Pena. No. Oh wow. Uh, yeah. Yana Kunitskaya. Uh, sh- no. She's plus two thousand. She's at the bottom. Duranemi's plus nine hundred. Pena's plus one thousand. Someone's plus seven hundred. Aspen home. Lad? Yeah, that's oh, a surprise, right? That's a little bit of a surprise. Yeah, I, I guess uh, she's got like the young marketability behind her, and so far right. her only loss she disputes too, right? Like she yes. had that that loss to um, Jamie Durandamy, right? That that she said she wasn't out and she was looking for a takedown, and you know whether you believe her or not, that's like a good selling point for being a top person. But I'll tell you that Yana Kunitskaya went over Ketlin Vieira has her a lot closer than I think I even have Aspen Lad. Yeah, no, she jumped. I just did the band of featherweight slash bantamweight rankings on MMA Dash Manifesto, and she jumped up the fourth with uh, based on performances. So, yeah, she, she's right in the mix for sure. Um, all right, flyweight champ, women's flyweight champ, end of 2021. Valentina Shevchenko is current champ, and she's about to fight Jessica Andrade. I'll say Shevchenko, the easy yep. pick here. I'm going to say right around Usman money, negative 300. Minus 400. So, yeah, you're right in there. Yeah. So. And that makes sense, too, Andrage, because she's, she's most likely going to beat Andrade. I do think Andrade is, an, you know, I think I mentioned this last week, an interesting matchup for her stylistically. Right. Um, but, like, if you think about her getting by that, you know, I don't want to discount discount uh, Lauren Murphy because I love Lauren Murphy. I, I think she's really fun to watch. But I don't think anybody's lining up money to, like, stuff money on Lauren Murphy right now. You could say the same thing about JoJo Calderwood. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, I, I think ultimately – it's and I'm right about the people, right? It's it's probably uh, Andrade, Shevchenko, and then Andrade plus five fifty, and, and then, then there's someone you haven't you haven't mentioned yet. I, somebody who I haven't mentioned who isn't named Calderwood or Murphy. Right. Uh, Murphy's plus one thousand, Calderwood plus fourteen hundred. There's someone plus nine hundred. In between there, um, is it a is it a give me this? Is it a flyweight fighter? It's a female. No, it, but is it? <laughs> yes, uh, it's a flyweight. Yes, it's a flyweight. Okay. I'm just asking because I didn't know if somebody threw Willie Zhang's name in there. Oh yeah, yeah, that right. would have no, been an interesting no, play too. So if she's yep. a, if she's a flyweight fighter, I would go with um, Caitlin Chokagian. No, she's plus twelve hundred. Who the hell am I missing in that division? Cynthia Calvillo. Correct. Ooh, that's weird. No, she's not getting a title Ooh. shot over those other two. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right, strawweight. We'll finish it off. Women's strawweight. Uh, current champ Wei Li Zhang is about to fight former champ Rose Nama Yunus. I'll take Zhang as the favorite, but even money. Uh, yes, plus 100. Yeah. There you go. That's not surprising. Then, because it, it looked like these but, odds, based yeah. on what you were telling me, no champ was really weighing too deep into the plus money realm. But she's probably no. – she's definitely the most unsure women's champ and one of the most unsure total champs because we have no idea right. how this fight with Rose looks. And there's right. also other killers coming up in that division, too. Uh, you know, I've lamented the lost time for Tatiana Suarez, but she would be a really difficult out for Whaley. Um, You know, it, it seems like – I don't mean to give away what we're going to talk about in a, a future week or two, but it seems like Mackenzie Dern is, is, you know, coming close to a title shot as well with her next fight. So 
Um, you know, somebody like that is like a weird fight for her. There, there's just like a lot of intrigue in that flyweight division that it would make me unsure. Yep. It's a Rose plus 300. Joanna plus 400. God, how is she still? Uh, Come on. <laughs> Tatiana, Tatiana Suarez plus 550. Um, Mackenzie Dern plus fourteen hundred, so you may want to get in on that. She could be a fight, maybe maybe two fights away at this point. But it depends on uh, how she looks sure. against Nina Ansaroff. Yeah, that's though, true. If she goes out and demolishes Nina Ansaroff in like a violent way, she's crazy marketable, right? Like they've got the she's got the mom angle, she's got the half Brazilian legendary Brazilian jiu jitsu dad angle. She's got, I mean, like. She's perfect for what the UFC would want to market, too. She's got, you know, the Instagram that's blowing up all the time type deal. She's the type of champ the UFC wants. Um, and, and so, like, yeah, you're right. Does a win over Nina Ansaroff coming off of maternity leave really cement me for a title fight? Not unless you're Mackenzie Dern. Yeah, well, we're getting a lot of mom fights. Come to think of it, that's a it's that's a, a new thing. Mom. mom on mom. Yeah, mom with. versus mom action is, <laughs> is a new thing for the UFC. Uh, maybe maybe we'll leave you on that note. Um, so that uh, that concludes episode twenty six. Uh, we will be back for episode twenty seven though, um, and we will be breaking down UFC on ABC Vittori versus Holland. So uh, the card has been saved. Hooray! Um, and we already actually gave you our pick for the. For the uh, the winner of of the main event, I doubt anything's going to change in the next few days. But we're gonna we're gonna record and tell you who's going to win all the fights on that card. So, uh, in the meantime, go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com, go to mma-manifesto.com, go to Twitter, Jeff Fox writer, go to Twitter, Gumby Vreeland. Um, I guess that's all the places you really have to go. That's the only places you're obligated to go. Um, another commandment of mine. Um, and uh, I realize I've st- I stole this from our, our bosses at the Sports Gambling Podcast. They they sign off uh, with with Let It Ride, but I am too lazy to come up with my own at this point, and I'm I'm tired of doing Motorhead all the time. So I'm going to say until I talk to you next time, Let It Ride. <laughs>